0: Good now. All right. Uh, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Lawrence-Douglas County Metropolitan Planning Commission February 14, 2024, meeting. Um, we're gonna, I'm going to turn it over to Drew for the rules of the meeting.
1: Good morning, everyone. My name is Drew Bilby, planner. I will be helping facilitate the Zoom video portion of the meeting. We will work alongside the vice chair to facilitate the meeting proceedings. I have a few housekeeping items for this hybrid meeting. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you are not speaking. The chat function for this public meeting is disabled. All chats will go directly to me. Unless you are participating during the meeting, please turn your video off. This allows active meeting participants to be seen on screen. You will still be able to hear the meeting. When you are participating, please turn your video on. If you have any trouble, you can send a chat to me. The city reserves the right to mute people or turn individual videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting and now i'll turn the meeting over back to the vice chair
0: thanks drew Um, i'm going to turn it over to becky for today's agenda
2: yeah good morning everybody welcome it's been a couple months since we've had one of these so welcome back and uh, we'll get back into the swing of it um the A couple items. So today we have kind of a multi, we have two items on our agenda. Uh, We're going to be, I'm going to go first and kind of go over some stuff I'll talk about in a minute, but also uh, more, our main gist of today. Um, We're really lucky that we've got our affordable housing administrator, um, Leah Roslin, will be joining us. Um, She couldn't make it um, right at the start, so I'm going to. Uh, take that time to go over a couple other things. Um, But then when she's here we will want to get straight on to her and she's going to be here to um, uh, teach us a little bit more about affordable housing and help answer any questions that you all might have. Um, So I thought first. uh, uh, First I would go over just high level briefly about our upcoming planning commission meeting. Um, So we'll be meeting on Monday, February 26. So we will not be meeting on Wednesday we will be meeting on the Monday. And we have three agenda items scheduled for that, that night. So there are two rezoning applications, and then we have a text amendment. Um, actually, it's two text amendments that will be um, presented together um, for your all consideration. What are they? They are to our land development code. Um, in a nutshell, they are um, uh, removing some... Uh, um, overly burdensome processes um uh for our site planning they're they're related to administrative processes good okay so um on our next mid-month meeting our march mid-month we're going to be um we've set that topic aside to discuss bylaws so kind of continuing the the discussion that we had at our orientation um one of our uh, a couple of our, our good um, topics there. We talked about um, our, our meeting, um, uh, the organization of our meetings. Um, and so we wanted to provide some more time to ha- for that conversation. So look forward to that on March. Um, to kind of prep for that, I wanted to go over a couple of resources. And I'm going to see if I can share my screen. Drew, I don't know if, because I'm not well, I, this show up. Let's find out if I share my screen. Okay. Yep. Great. Thank you. So our um, the orientation packet that was provided to you all at your orientation meeting last year or late last year is up on your your website. Uh, So on your Planning Commission website, you can find that. And and you can also find the bylaws. So I would recommend reviewing your bylaws before March. Um, And then um, within the orientation packet, are some materials that talk about the types of planning applications and I think that we went through this um, during orientation Um, I'm gonna scroll on to some of the um, next pages and we can come back and talk about anything that you might have questions about or want more information on Um, and then we've got um, information on um, the due process um, and then these next few pages are where you can find more information about um, the review criteria that's associated with each of those applications that you may be coming before you um, the review criteria as well as the um, uh, um, decision-making or well, I'm sorry scroll back up here the um, development review decision making criteria so it's got the review criteria and then there is more information as far as what what all you can do whether you can defer what happens if there's a tie vote that these are basically things that are pulled from our our land development code um, that are easily accessible here and then please excuse me while I do some scrolling
1: Well, Becky's scrolling, I'll take a moment to, you know, fill the void here a little bit. The thing that we don't have listed here is what actually constituted application contents. In the code, it will have different application content requirements for each different type. So a rezoning is different from a CUP, which is different from a any number of other ones there. So while you might see something that comes with the site plan, or excuse me, you might see something that comes with the rezoning, it might not be something we ask for until the site planning portion of it. So just so you know, there is different content requirements of what constitutes a complete application for each one.
2: Uh, And then on page 53 um, of that agenda, this is a table that was really pulled from our land development code, but it talks about um, Uh, basically it's showing you the different types of applications that exist who is the decision-making body and if there is a um, public hearing that's associated with that sorry that this is not all-on-one page uh, to make that um, easier to read but basically if there is an R it's a um, that body is responsible is the reviewing body if there's a DM it's the decision-making body Um, and then if it is the uh the the two i want to say arrows that's not right what they're called is escaping me that is um referring that there's a public hearing involved so for example um the text amendments um planning commission would be a reviewing body and there would also be a public hearing that would be associated with at that at that point in that meeting and then it would move on to either the county or the city depending on what code is being revised
3: is this the, the time and place where we would also add language about um, consent agendas?
2: As on, on March, when we talk about the bylaws, yes, that'll be part of that. Because if we're going to amend, um, um, make amendments like that, that would be with the bylaws.
3: Could we include that specifically to the list of things that we'll talk about?
2: On Mar- in March? Yeah. Yes. Okay, yeah.
3: thank you.
4: So you would all, the text I got was from Mike Kelso, and he said, are we having a meeting? And I... Where is Zoom? So that's oh, showed.
2: You d- does he? D- I can send him the text if not.
4: I did. I said we'll get
1: it started.
3: So
4: it started.
1: Yeah, it's it, yeah, it's it's up. So I don't know if maybe he has the wrong link.
3: Well, he has to go through the. the but he may or may not. But it's the same with any other meeting, right? You
2: yeah. Yeah, I will send put him the link, link. and yeah. the an
3: email with the. If
2: you want to let him know, I'm gonna send him an email, and he'll get that link. That'd be great.
0: Do We have any other commissioners on <coughs> Zoom?
1: I, no, not, not as of right
0: now. Okay.
4: Becky is going to send you an email for the, with the link. I
0: wonder if they're having trouble. I, I thought you crazy. said maybe Chelsea would go yes. remotely, it maybe. Raises my IQ. Yeah,
2: and I sent her the Sometimes link as well.
4: I've yeah. The foreign language one. <laughs>
2: Jeff, do you want to check and make sure <laughs> the link's working okay? Which one? The Zoom registration link. I can try.
4: And I'll get something back that says, <laughs> what? Uh,
1: I was thinking, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <coughs> Let me give it a whirl.
5: So has there been actually some progress on the consent agenda, or is that stuck somewhere?
2: It's still under review. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. I think basically um, when there are some things that will, there are very few items that could be on the consent agenda because of the if it requires a public hearing then it it, it would need to go on the regular agenda. So for example, a preliminary plat may be something that doesn't require a public hearing that could go on the consent agenda. Um, if there's a variance associated with that then it would go on the regular agenda.
3: Yeah. I just like to create the capability so that you have the option. Mhm. One of those things that can help yes decrease the length of our meetings. Yeah. It's not the, the solution for anything, but it's maybe a little bit of help for for a lot of things.
2: Yeah. So um, I didn't have a clear or a. a um, oh, let me go back to what I'm, what I'm sharing. Um, uh, I didn't have a real set of things that, that I I wanted to talk about um, in in that. PC orientation, those materials that I showed you, but just kind of wanted to use this time if anybody had questions about the types of applications we see or the um, process that's involved, the review, any of anything um, um, or uh, ideas or things you kind of want to throw out to maybe prime the pump for your discussion in the March mid-month about the bylaws
5: do you on a routine basis tell us what happens to the things that we make a recommendation and they move on and i never know what happens next <coughs> maybe i don't read the newspaper well enough
2: yeah we don't uh, we don't necessarily um uh have an update on on those items i think that's uh um, it could be something to, to discuss in March on that process, um, or it could be a mid-month maybe where we come back and talk about just um, where things have concluded. But, no, we don't generally come back with any updates on, on the process of projects.
0: So, Becky, something that um, we've all spent a lot of time uh, dealing with or talking about is the length of our meetings. So um, I'll just put a... Th- I just want to put a few things, I don't think we'll have time to discuss today, but I'll just put a few things for all of us to think about for next month. Um, you know, so I, I've heard potentially that we may try to end our meetings early, like at 11, to have like a potentially, you know, you know, I don't know that we've decided that. Or, um, but if we do that, you know, there's work that needs to get done. So do we need, need to add another day? Do we need to start earlier? Um, what do we have to do to get the work done? So that's one question. Um, also, um, I've heard complaints that we get the public comment too late on a Monday um, and that we don't have time to go through it. So is there something that we could do to sort of you know again we don't want to uh, remove the public's ability to comment right up to, but you know, is there some compromise, something to think about? Um, so that yeah, at a high level, that's that's what is on my mind yeah. is how to make our meetings more efficient so we can all go home and but get the work done. I don't know if you guys have thoughts.
3: I agree. I think those are. I think those are the questions.
0: Yeah. Those trade-offs. Yeah. Get, get, get. yeah.
3: On the public comment. I don't know. I'm going to jump into solution. Sorry, but um, I I, make, I wonder. <clears throat> you have the 10 a.m. Monday cutoff. Is is comment coming in and being queued, waiting for that drop? In other words, could there be additional drops of or additional updates so that we don't have a larger amount? We have just a minimum amount come Monday at 10.
2: Yeah. So what what happened? <clears throat> uh, and 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 Denny is the. Um, the saint that helps us get this all together and and, um when we
1: um, take a pause in the conversation we're having a bit of a zoom hiccup here
2: should we take a commissioner
1: kelpo diagnosed our zoom issue should we take a (laughs)
2: five minute break or just a couple
1: minutes maybe yeah Yeah, i'm just just ending it and restarting it okay thank you thanks
0: mike can't hear me but
1: thank you he helped us figure out that there was a bit of a glitch in the system with that one
2: do i need to send them the right zoom link
3: um the the link should be right yeah i use the same link it looks
4: like i'm getting back in
2: but we're hosts does that make a difference
4: you're the hostess
3: with the
2: mostest of course (laughs) (laughs) I'm just knowledgeable enough to know that it, when I'm a co-host, I can't do the registration link, but I don't know if they're the same, I don't know if they're the yeah. same link. That is exactly right. you cannot register,
3: if
4: you're a host. Yeah, because it's, yeah, it says 2024.
1: Schedule. I'm still getting the, waiting for the meeting, waiting for the host to start.
2: And I know there's some confusion, because when you click on the um, talk about it later, but it should be the right, it has the dates for our mid-months listed.
5: I notice most of our mid-months coming up are to be determined. So I imagine we have an opportunity to think about other...
2: And some of it, too, is there's Mm -hmm. a lot of kind of moving parts Mm -hmm. where if we were going to have um, like our neighborhood groups come and give an update, don't quite know when to, you know, we can put them on the calendar when we think we might but Mm -hmm. it might not be Mm -hmm. the best time. So some of that's that.
3: We're going to be coming up on a massive change in land development code and Using some of that mid-month time to get us ready for what's coming might be yeah. a good use of time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Is this, Hannah's going to change.
0: For the better. Or just change.
3: It's going to change. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Depends on your lens, I suppose. Right, mm-hmm. I think it's going in a great direction. But. Yeah. Different philosophy, different way of thinking, different paradigm.
6: And you
4: have
5: a meeting tomorrow, don't you? Mm -hmm. At 4? Yes. Yes, 4 to 6.
3: I'll be joining remotely.
5: And that'll be recorded, right? I'm out of town. Yes, yeah. thankfully, going into Kansas City tomorrow, not today.
2: Drew, <laughs> do we need to ha- have Commissioner... So if Commissioner Hayden and Kelso try again, they should be able to get in now?
1: I think so. I mean, it, it the, the meeting is in progress. I can't... It's it's grayed out to start, so I have to imagine it started and it's up.
3: <clears throat> do you see... Yeah, you, you see... Can, see yeah. I, can, I can... Kurt's in, right?
2: You yeah. still can't get in? Nope. Yep.
3: I have to think he doesn't have the right link or the same link. And it's certainly not as interactive or fun, but they could watch it on YouTube. They'll be seven seconds behind your conversation, but they could check it out.
0: But they couldn't participate.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be delayed. Delayed, yeah. Less than satisfying.
1: We can just, I mean, yeah. We can keep going. I you don't know what kind of yeah. IT magic is occurring behind the scenes, but... Yeah. Oh, I certainly blame IT. <laughs> I was meaning to blame IT, but... Oh, you know, do. You know, on the agenda, it does say the, the primary yeah. format is for in person, mm-hmm. so it's... We'll
3: try one last thing and have mm-hmm. Kurt email his link just, to Mike. That's the same well, link like he's
4: in. been oh, trying to link. Which one? That's Mike Mike, Kelso. Kurt, you want to? Which link? Oh, I don't
3: know. I would just ask, just try one last thing and ask if Kurt maybe could email the link that he just used to get in to Mike. And if that doesn't work, then I'd say the problem's on Mike's side. Yeah. Yeah. Mike and Chelsea. Chelsea's trying to get in. She's
4: also trying to get in. Okay. What's Kelso's email?
3: MP Kelso <laughs> at. I think Drew's on it, Kurt. Okay, cool. I just
0: don't happen to know his email. Yeah, you did, to send me you know. Do you have Chelsea's? Uh... Oh, you're doing Drew's, yeah. yeah. right? Yeah. If you no, needed to have it here. We needed email. I'm not cool enough to have her email
5: either. <laughs> 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 okay. I I did know we're still going to try to do that bus ride, right?
2: That was a. Yeah, we've a special, been trying that for special request years, yes. for Commissioner <laughs> Carter, and this is his. Um, we're running up on a deadline. For yeah, him, I know. So we want to do that special for him. Yeah. The
0: More of those kinds of things, the better. Yeah. My Just yeah. Get to learn about our county. Uh-huh. If that one doesn't work, I don't
4: know what. I don't know what we can use. And that's the point.
1: I'll get, I'm getting a different registration page.
0: Yeah, this is what you were talking about right earlier. This yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay.
3: Okay, Jeff's in the waiting room, so Jeff's almost in. Do you mm-hmm. want to shoot that to everybody
1: else? Yeah. I don't have their email. Thank you. I'll send it
2: out thank real quick. you. Thank you. Got you better.
4: That
5: better be empty. out Is our speaker joining remotely, or is she coming in here? <laughs>
2: I think she is coming in, but it might be good to send Leah that too. Thank you, <laughs> good point. Just in case. Yes. All
4: right, well. So where, what is the bus tour going to be?
2: It, uh, a tour of development, so a kind of a, the uh, um, details to be determined, but kind oh. of a, a tour of around, yeah, and looking at different types of developments and things. It's been on the county. I
4: presume we'd be out in the unincorporated area most of the time
2: to you know to be determined how that's going to work. I think it's, I, I, you know, you're joking, but I think there's, yeah, we need to do both. Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry about that delay, but this was a good if this was going to happen, this was good because our, our speakers, uh, we still got some time for us, exactly. Yeah, those guys haven't joined yet yeah, yeah. Um, okay I, I, I was I trying to remember where we left off and I think there was a question about um, when we receive um, how we publish the, the, the packet yeah. and so we um, so for example coming up for our next meeting the the, the Tuesday Bef- the week before Tuesday. That's when you'll get your staff reports and any communications um, we that we've get received that at night. that point.
3: We usually get that Wednesday it's afternoon. It's Tuesday,
2: Wednesday, kind of depending okay. on, yeah. Oh,
3: okay.
4: Thought it was Thursday.
2: <laughs> That's the printed packet when, when um, yeah. Uh, so uh, the, and then we, our, our bylaws say that public comment, um, the, the deadline to provide written public comment is Monday at 10 a.m. And so the second update that occurs is um, after that 10 a.m. deadline, we're working behind the scenes to make sure that we've gathered everything because it, it gets emailed to the planner. Sometimes it comes to our, our planning at Lawrence KS email. So we're gathering that all up, getting that so that we can publish that. So that's what that second second one is, is that
3: I guess what I was suggesting was consider um, a drop on Friday of whatever might have come in between then and now. That way the Monday drop is presumably smaller and and more consumable.
2: Presumably. The other thing to consider, though, is a lot of the the reason for that Monday deadline is because of the weekend. And Mm -hmm. so that is why we're we're seeing the bulk things might come in during the weekend when people have more time to to put their
1: papers so we think we'll definitely get in on this way next month we're talking about the bylaws and the way that that works. So I just want to kind of bring back to the agenda. We're talking about the application types this morning. Yeah. So want to bring that back for next month's discussion. Okay. Yeah,
3: I think this we just kind of follow the trail of things that might be a part of the bylaws conversation bylaws conversation. Yeah, not just application type. Yep. All right. Thank you for that.
2: So any questions, let me, let me share my screen again here. Oh, I gotta get into the Zoom, sorry guys. Um, any questions about the types of applications that you receive and the process associated with that or maybe the application types that you don't, that are more administrative um, that don't come before you? Any questions about any of that that maybe we didn't have a chance to really dig into during our orientation?
3: for me
0: it's not a question but it's um, just kind of a something I, I think about when we get the um, an application is like you know I know we say um, the city isn't impacted fiscally or something there's a line that says no financial impact to the city or something like that you know what I'm talking about um, is there uh, I mean, Do we have data to, to quantify okay you know this is gonna need new roads and, and I know that it's not in our lane but anything that would add color to that application I think would be helpful for me to think about, okay, what are the long-term, It's it, I, I I don't know, maybe maybe it's not, again, maybe it's not in our lane and we you can't get that information, but if there's any way for us to say, okay, this is gonna need five new roads, and we don't necessarily need to know what road's gonna cost, but, You know five new roads means you know what i mean like it sort of implies there's a
2: cost and i i do understand your point i think though that it's important to remember that those are more the policy or that that's going to be that that the city commission will be then that's part of their discussion and determination jeff i don't know if you want they have more to
1: that line on your agenda is a software perk it's a because they use everything going to the city commission and they have that as their their requirement is what they're looking at so when it goes to the city commission we have to put in that i think whoever says like this doesn't impact financially because we got to put something in there because otherwise the software won't behave and then can't get the packet out so in, in your world it doesn't have a financial impact because what you're just doing is granting a land use approval at some point. It's when the city commission does their action is when it may have that impact. If you go to final plat, then there's going to be the cost of the roads in perpetuity for the city, the water, storm water, those kind of things and they can take that into account. Now when you go through those development packages. The way that the administrative policy works is a developer is required to pay and upfront all of that cost <coughs> that infrastructure, and then if it meets our standards, we assume responsibility of it going forward at that point in time and that's a that 's an agreement between MSO and as that develops typically that takes the form of a public improvement plan is when you 'll see that come in, which is many steps below where where you kind of engage with that application. So, you know, but you wouldn't normally see that on a planning commission pack, except that software just will not let us proceed until we put words in there.
4: <laughs> Strong, welcoming neighborhood. The same.
1: same thing. Same thing. It's, it's got to have that. And it's what it is until you click that that little box that it likes. It will not let Benny publish that packet. So for the bulk of it, that really doesn't impact into your your realm of decision making. Now the question about is, you know, will there be roads and what will that will be? That is a city commission discussion because that is the the financial bit is where they engage on that process.
5: Which brings up another potential thing to discuss at a, a mid month is this question of policy. I mean, to go through and think, okay, to kind of hash out a little bit more clearly, what is policy and what is strictly land use? Um, because sometimes that line gets blurred, I think, um, in our discussions. So to kind of think about what it what is it when we're discussing policy, and how far can we go with that? But isn't our comprehensive plan policy? Well, that's my one of my big questions. So we bring up the comprehensive plan a lot, but then sometimes it's we're told it's policy. Yeah. So. It's, so that would be something to discuss,
1: I think. I, th- I think Mr. Ashford said a very good point on that one. And in the, in the line between policy and land use is really, are you quasi-judicial or are you legislative in your practice? Mm-hmm. Text amendments and comprehensive plan amendments are legislative, and so you have a little bit more of a broader latitude there. When you get into those quasi-judicial items, you're only on those 10 decision-making criteria. That's where you have to make your decisions. So it's, I think that's a good topic we can bring back and have a broader discussion on.
2: All right, well, Leah should be joining us in another 10 minutes or so, so kind of want to bring us back to the, um, anything else related to the overview of the planning or the of our application types? Or um, we do always at the end of our meeting, which we may not have time for, have an opportunity for questions in general. So if anybody has just kind of questions about how we, you know, what's, what's going on behind the scenes or what your role is or anything related to the Planning Commission. We could do that now, too.
3: Oh, we're waiting for our guest mm-hmm. speaker. Yeah. What is the Oh, go ahead. Munch
5: managed, I was just going to say, Commissioner Munch managed to wade through the technical issues.
0: <laughs> Glad to be here. Thank you all.
2: <laughs> Welcome. Sorry about that uh, snafu oh. this morning.
0: All good.
3: What is, uh, what is the timing for the land development code update to be out through and final?
2: The, uh, the timeline that we are um, we're still running on kind of that, that same timeline that, that, um, our original timeline, which would have it going to the city commission um, in this summer, um, hopefully June. I know the, the, the consultant is wrapping up their work on module three. Module three is going to be the, the module that really looks at our the process is involved. Um, and so at tomorrow's steering committee meeting, um, I think they might be providing an overview of that. There's a survey that they've been working on that they want to go through with the steering committee, um, but uh, probably won't get into module three in, in any detail tomorrow. We'll start that in March. Okay. So what is the Planning
5: Commission's role going to be in that? How is that going to play out?
2: Um, Jeff?
1: Your role is kind of similar to what you do with most text amendments. It's it's to review and provide the recommendation to the city commission. The the interesting bit is that steering committee has been really into the line by line and the weeds of the whole process. And that's where Commissioner Rexrode and previously Commissioner Carpenter were, your representatives of going through that code. So the steering committee is really doing that that you know lower level analysis. And when you get it, it would be to review it kind of in the package as a whole. Does it meet? Excuse me. <coughs> Does it comply with what we think comprehensive plan is supposed to be having in there? Is there any major issues in there that you're seeing that you, you know you see as a planning commission that maybe we don't see as staff or you don't see as a governing body? Just kind of give those highlights to it, and then again recommend to the body going up because it is effectively a text amendment in the way that it wants to process out.
4: Will there be just one uh, public
5: hearing, and will that be with the planning commission?
1: It would, be a, it would be a public hearing at City Commission too because they'd have to go through ordinances and stuff, but there's been, we've had a lot of public engagement throughout the process with you know, focus groups and different meetings and going out to, I can't remember all the places we've been to in the public to talk about it over the time. So there's been a lot of work of trying to get those engagements, including surveys and online. Dad's that I can't remember the technical name to suddenly, but it's like a, it, like a survey, but it's not a survey. I forget what it's called now. But General they're all meetings on every ex- exactly module, breakouts by by subject yeah. type. It's been all these subgroups have been going so it's like from all over the community. Yeah, so there's been a lot of things and I cannot think of what that technical word for that survey instrument was that was in there, but the caffeine hasn't kicked in, but there's been a lot of different processes have been going on throughout.
2: And there'll be more opportunity. Um, We've done a public engagement with each of the modules, so we'll do more with module three as well. And um, the modules have been such that even though they're three modules, they have you know as, as module two came out it still included module one module three will still um, include two, one and two so people have an opportunity to um, provide comment about the whole document um, at any time that, that they can and want to
3: okay. and I think well, about oh, go ahead
5: but when it comes up to the city Commission in June I mean is that is that going to be their action item or is that just a, a presentation of how it's going I mean is that
2: Well, I think those details are still uh, probably to be determined, but ultimately that goal would be for adoption of the land development code this summer.
5: And so, but prior to that time, then, you're also um, sort of test driving this thing um, with staff to make sure. Yeah, staff's definitely been part of that, right? Yep. Yep.
1: We're definitely.
5: All the right buttons that you hit bring up the right. information and all that kind of thing
1: it's, it's like the software system right now we're, we're definitely we get it we trying to figure out where it breaks where it doesn't work doesn't behave correctly and if we do when we get those comments back and so you'll see as, as we go through the iterative changes like there might be some changes in module 2 that we found and when we got module 3 put together it didn't quite mesh together properly so we go back and get that one which inevitably we will do something in module 1 that will need an adjustment and so we're always trying to figure out how we get all that diagnosed okay so that's all done by by the time the City Commission gets it That's,
5: I mean, it's not going to be foolproof, but
1: that's our hope. Okay, yeah. And with any, when you every time you do a zoning code, there's always what we call a shakedown period. If you work it for about 12 to 18 months, and then you come back with one big text amendment for all the things that you didn't, you know, that didn't quite sync correctly or haven't behaved as we would expect it. And so, I expect probably 12 to 18 months after you adopt, we would do a big text amendment to just get, you know, maybe there's a weird space or a commas not, you know, in the middle of a word which, you know, can happen just when you type and get those things, but then also go, well, this isn't be- this isn't behaving like we thought it would in-, in real life. So let's maybe adjust it just a touch. So
3: think about <clears throat> tangential to that the timeline and that work, the the public process and, and the lengths that that group has gone through to reach out to different members of the public and make sure that everyone who wants to be involved can be involved and is aware of what's going on. And I think back to other things like what we've just gone through with wind and what we did previously with other things. And invariably um, you get to the day and there are people who didn't know what was going on and, and, and feel you know, some degree of dissatisfaction. With not having been informed, <clears throat> I think to myself, how could we have done more?" But I also know, at the same time, um, the county is able to reach me every single time I owe them property taxes.
4: <laughs> Say that again. Right?
3: The county is able to reach me every single time I owe property taxes. Right? There are ways. Now I don't know if it's because of what that tax statement means to me that I open it, I read it, I know what it is, and and I. I I know that it's there and I act on it versus I get this other thing and it doesn't resonate with me so I discard it and forget about it. I I just think that that we need to continue to work on communication, particularly um, in rural Douglas County, right? Um, Where issues may or may not be immediately adjacent to them just because of the longer distances they might not be um, within a notification window but would still have an interest in knowing what's going on inside the their Douglas county
0: Absolutely. Yeah. fill in time talk fingers <laughs> is, is, <laughs> <it, laughs> is, is there any thought on how uh, this is going to affect our work day at Commission <clears throat> like, when you guys are talking about the code itself. Do you see the structure of our meetings changing, mm-hmm. any, or is it going to be sort of you know,
3: just the same but different? You know? Yeah, I I would look to Becky and Jeff for more on that. I, I the code itself, I don't know. that's going to change the structure of the meetings. I don't think it changes the golden factors. Yeah. Uh, um, some of the decision criteria might be viewed. They might look at I don't know, but uh,
1: Jeff. It, I don't <coughs> see a change in the way the the your bylaws run your meeting. It'd be more of a question of what comes to you at the ultimate thing. Because if you look at most when you do a zoning diagnostic and you look at your use table, you end up spending a lot of time going, well, is that really a special use or should that just be a use permitted by right? Mm. And so, if it's use permitted by right, it would enter that administrative channel potentially. If it was a special use, then it would come before you. Usually, one of the hallmarks of a zoning code that's not behaving very well is when you see a lot of special uses or special things that start rising up, is because there's something in there where the code is out of step with what's going on in in reality. And so, that's one of our hallmarks that we usually will use as indicators. If you start seeing a lot of special uses or a lot of preliminary and final development plans, that's also a good indication that people are trying to find a way to make reality fit our code, which is, you know, state-of-the-art 2006. So it, you see, yeah, you see a little bit of those things there. I mean, the best way I can describe it is if you just think about driving a car from 2006 and driving a car from 2023 and how different that would be. And that's actually my reality, so that's the best way I can describe it is like you have power, nothing. You may have a cassette tape player, you know, and nowadays it's like Bluetooth and things where the car breaks when you look at it wrong. So it's, that's kind of where you have in there. The other thing we look at is we look at what's going before the Board of Zoning Appeals because that is really the true canary in the coal mine because if they're giving a lot of conversations about setbacks or a lot of conversations about whatever <coughs> it is and they're having to see that keep repeatedly coming up, that's a sign to us that either there's a text amendment that needs to be had or the code is really out of step with what people are doing in reality. And so, you know, markets change, the economics change, the conditions will change over time and if a code doesn't keep up, those are usually the two some points at which we do it so you might see a drop in applications coming to you because we would actually see less special uses potentially in that table depending upon what the community would like to see so yeah. we'll I see
5: to shorten uh, once again potentially shortening our yeah. meetings as another but another crack at that yeah is the fact that we won't right. see those variances in those right. special uses right um,
3: We'll see some interesting things we haven't seen before, some, some different uses yeah. and, and combinations of uses inside of things that I haven't seen before. I'm excited for it.
2: I uh, saw that Commissioner <coughs> Hayden was able to, to join as well, so just wanted to say hi to her.
3: Hello, Commissioner Hayden. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we are... Um, for Commissioner Munch and Hayden that joined, uh, were unable to uh, join uh, until later, that um, <coughs> we are expecting to have our affordable housing administrator come and join us um, here um, within the next few minutes. And she'll be giving us an, um, uh, an overview of affordable housing. Her name's uh, Leah Roslin. So uh, as soon as she arrives, we'll start on that topic. And uh, right now, we were... Um, uh, it, uh, kind of rearranging the schedule we have had time for qu- qu- uh, general questions at the end of the agenda but knowing that when um, we'll need us we'll want as much time with Leah as we can we were just um, taking the opportunity to ask those questions now
0: yeah and, and some of the things that we talked about is um, so next month we have a meeting on bylaws is that right Jeff? Yep. Our, our bylaws so um, you know just trying to think of things that Will come up, and one of the things that we brought up today was, you know, how to make our meetings more efficient. Um, so you guys, you know, if you have thoughts, be thinking about that. So when we meet next month, we can go into that. Um, and Becky went over different application types. Um, so I don't know if you guys have before our guest comes. If you guys have questions or comments on any of those issues, just you know, this would be a good time.
2: Yeah, I do actually. Um, If we're going to talk about the bylaws, I'd be interested in talking about the ad hoc committee process that's set out in the bylaws.
0: I I think it's. I think that's on the agenda. We
2: will definitely. That'll be it. Yep. That that, we'll we'll include that uh, for our March mid-month meeting discussion for sure. Great. Great. Um, is, Is there any particular like work we plan on doing with the bylaws or is it just an overview of them or anything I should read to prepare. Uh, I would definitely um, recommend reviewing the existing bylaws. Um, we aren't uh, planning on uh, bringing revised bylaws to you all for your consideration at that time. It'll really be a discussion to help us guide if we're going to make changes to those bylaws, what those might look like. And then there would be that would come to you for consideration at a future planning commission meeting.
5: Thank you. Is that a meeting that? Um, legal counsel can be at as well
2: our mid-month meeting
5: for the discussion of the bylaws I will check that would be handy. yeah is
0: it just voting so the bylaws to change again it's just like a
1: vote like how we vote on other stuff, as far as the majority simple it. majority kind of thing. Well, the, as far as I the, yeah, the bylaws would be you'd have to take an action on them at a business meeting. So the works the, effectively the wins or sorry the mid month would be just a discussion. Oh, okay. What do you, you know what do you like what do you don't like in the bylaws and that gives us some idea and direction about what to make in in the revisions that you would want to see to consider as part of that. So any of that you know. Voting for that that would all go to the the business meeting. So that'd be miscellaneous new business at the end would it be a public hearing item? Yes <laughs> Well depends on the application type Because <laughs> some codes you so, have a... I mean I mean like
0: we're voting on to change the meeting time for example mm-hmm. We have a type vote. Does that mean it fails or does it mean it carries like is it We have the same rules that we have for do You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, um we can break that's time. I mean, yeah, it's a different question there because it's really it's, it's a it's a question of, you know, how you choose to operate at that point in time. Yeah. I would surmise you'd probably try to work towards consensus on yeah. on the bylaws, <laughs> but we can thread that needle if we have to. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh, no, All right, read consensus. <laughs> preferred approach.
5: Well, can I ask a Sort of big general question about affordability. Um, yeah. I, I, and, you, and I'm, I'm, gonna, look,
2: I'm looking uh, at Jeff, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> I,
1: I will go to the podium, so I'll save everybody from the next trading here. so the stand in for Okay. I okay. YouTube <laughs> I'm sorry <about> <laughs>
2: Oh, and I see Leah is on her way in.
1: Oh, oh perfect. Okay. Good, because this could have gotten really rough quickly here. I've been with Ahab for a long time, but I don't know yeah. if I could do it all there. But of course, yeah. what was the question?
5: Oh, well, um, my, my general question is: I, I really want to know what is the city's goal, and how do we know when we reach that goal? Like, so the signal.
1: The AHAB goes through a retreat process, not not too dissimilar to what you do, and they look at what the numbers are, and they have a wonderful dashboard. I'll see if I can't somehow coax it online here real quick so you can take a look. But they have a conversation every year about, you know, what do we want to do? What do we want to strive for? What are What are the segments in the market that we would like to get to and hit? And so what they have... And I will put it on screen really quickly as it loads up here. Is they have a dashboard that they look at to see how they're doing in terms of not just where the money is going, but how many units are they achieving? And it, it really gives a breakdown of not just you know, unit type, but are they units that are being rehabbed and, and kept in preservation? So it's it's the maintenance of the affordable housing in the community. Or are they using down payment assistance and household vouchers, which is a different form of getting people into affordable housing. But they also have this wonderful thing is that you know you can look at it through what has been the funding sources over the time, what are the number of units over the years and those kind of details. And if you want to pull up a project, I'll just pick on one that I can see real quickly on screen here. You can click on it on the map and it'll let you see the application link, some of the details that we know about the project. And so every about every year, have goes through a retreat and they look at it and they say, you know, this was our five year goal. Did we how are we doing? Did we meet the mark? If we met the mark, do we want to push that out a little further? And so it will it's kind of fluctuating as they're seeing how it responds. But you know, to give you an idea is they've got Oh, there's a box in the way. 810 units that have really come into the process and coming online in the community.
5: So, for example, for I guess, <coughs> what is the five-year goal, and and what is the signal that it's been <laughs> achieved or not?
1: That might be a Leah question. Hey. I'll leave on that one there. I, I, but I think that just it just depends on a lot of the detail that goes into Ahab on those questions there. So and i'm i'm doing a bad stand in job so feel free to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually going to run Thank the you Jeff. Oh by please. all means please yeah. i can keep covering for a while. <laughs> um, the AHOP goal um,
6: the Ahab goal is to increase um, rental housing by 1000 in the next oh, yeah. 5 years. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And some of that I'll go over mm-hmm. in my
1: presentation. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so feel free. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I'll say, and since I've had the the privilege of working is with Ahab since its its very beginning. Is this started in about 2014 when we were asked to do a bit of research and find out what was going, you know, just what was the history of affordable housing? And affordable housing history goes all the way back to the 60s here in Lawrence and Douglas County. And so, in the 90s, there was the Housing Trust Fund that was established, and there was a board that oversaw the Housing Trust Fund at that point in time and Affordable Housing Advisory Board or Ahab, as we call it is really that second iteration of that board as it's moving through here and so they've really been focused on not just the the housing trust fund and the way the dollars are spent but how can they do policy changes how are there things that could help us kind of go through those processes and lines and so they've been engaged in the land development code update committee about you know, maybe there's a change to the base districts that would be good, or there's an overlay that would be helpful, and any number of different things to talk about how zoning could affect affordable housing. But they also look at you know, the other side of things is, you know, what are some of the other policies that could affect affordable housing? Um, they were asked to look at um, uh, right of refusals. I can't think of what the, the term is, but, you know. Uh, Uh, That you couldn't refuse vouchers uh, for people to do that Um, also looking at you know Is there a right of first refusal on purchase that may be something that people could consider as part of that? So they also look at things that just, not just put affordable housing into the community, but keep it in the community. So working with housing trust fund or working with different entities, because if a property is running through its tax credit and it's coming up on year 29 and year 30, the individual can sell the property. And how do they kind of keep that affordable housing stock in the community and working? So they they really have a broad spectrum when they approach those.
5: So depending on what definition we're using as affordable, I mean, do cities in general have a goal of 10% affordable housing, 20%? Is there some larger reach that we're trying to get to? It's... besides. I mean, there's 1,000 units for the next five years, but what does that mean in the larger context, in terms of the percentage of housing available?
1: And that's a great question. It's gonna vary depending upon the community and what you're seeing in there. I mean, ballpark Lawrence has about 43,000 housing units, so 1,000 is really, you know, fractional in the grand scheme of the amount of units that are out there. But when you talk about it, it's it's you'll see it in plan 2040, there's a definition for what is affordable in one of the sidebars, and it lines up with what affordable housing also has as, as their definition for what is affordable. One of the things that we're working on right now is we had a housing study completed in 2018, I think. It may have been 2019, early 19. It gave us an idea of what was the type of units and housing that we needed to have in the community. I think we'd all agree since then, there's been a couple of big, things that have changed the world and so we're looking at getting that housing study updated and kind of get us an understanding of what what are the units that we need to have it's not even just about the price point it's actually about the amenity type does it have the right number of bedrooms and bathrooms for what people are looking for in the community so does somebody need four bed five bed Is that is that something that we have or something we should focus on are people looking for Rentals or are they looking for ownership? Are they looking for location or are they looking for transportation links? So there's any any number of things that that can kind of kind of come into there Kurt's driving. I'm going to step away from the mouse for quick <laughs>
3: Do we have a definition of I mean, a specific definition of an affordable
1: house Affordable housing what is that I will turn the floor to Leah with the
6: experts. <coughs> I, um, Would you all well, should I do my presentation or should we stay with Q&A?
2: I think it's whatever whatever you prefer. How long is your presentation?
6: Well, um, about 45 minutes, so.
2: Oh. We don't have yeah, that. This meeting stops at 9. So OK. So have got about 40 minutes left. OK.
6: Yeah. Well, what would you all prefer? Should I go through some of what I have? For what, do or you think,
4: what do you think is the most important information you'd like us to hear Mm
5: -hmm.
6: well some of what i was going to go over were the definitions of affordability um, some of the need in our community and what our goals and strategies are to meet that need so um, it might be beneficial for me to since some of those questions are naturally going up to try and get through some of the slides maybe i'll skip some of the videos that i have included Mm -hmm. And um, and try and just open it up wider and get through it faster and just take questions. Does that work for you all? Have some mm-hmm. questions
3: along the way, maybe.
6: Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Sounds
0: okay. good. Perfect. Thank cool. you.
6: Cool. Okay. Um, Kurt is the. All set. You're amazing. Thank you so much. Okay. Let's see if I can find it in here. Holy cow, it's literally up. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. OK, so um, I apologize. I don't know what Jeff has gone over, um, but these are the... Um, the city strategic plan goals and indicators that relate directly to housing affordability, so SWN 5, we want to decrease the percentage of households that are experiencing housing stress, which is defined as spending more than 30% of their income on housing. And that is inclusive of not only rent and, or mortgage, but also any utility payments, insurance, taxes, et cetera. All of that is taken into account.
3: And roughly how many Units would that be the thirty percent
1: well it's it's not hard to get on it's you don't really get it on units you just get it on the amount of people that are renting so we don't know but I mean if you it's basically the way to boil it down is it's one in five homeowners in the community are housing stressed it's one in two renters that'll end up being housing stressed one in five and so twenty percent of housing fifty percent of rentals ballparkish yeah and that that can take a lot of different forms depending upon how those households are formed thousands, and thousands
3: thousands of of instances of that.
1: Right. And if you want to kind of put the number to it, Lawrence is 56% rental currently. So homeowner is the minority in the way the market is currently outlaid. Okay, thanks.
4: Does affordable housing mean that it
1: is subsidized? Not necessarily, no. It can take a lot of different forms.
6: OK. And, and I have a slide on that. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll just skip through this one. So yeah, the um, the 48% and 17% were the numbers of households experiencing housing stress as of the last census data we had. And then SWN 6, decrease of point in time of homelessness, which is directly related to the number of affordable units we have. And then SWN 7 is related to um, sales tax dollars, investments, and leverage. Um, th- um this slide i'm just going to zip through but i wanted uh, i wanted you all to see that affordable housing impacts so many of our city goals and indicators that aren't directly like housing specific but it moves the needle on all of these so whether residents rate the city as a good place to live how many residential units within a half mile of green space walking biking trails libraries and schools trips not taken in cars um, BIPOC folks feeling welcome because as we'll see BIPOC folks experience a disproportionate um, amount of housing stress, crimes per resident, if folks have a safe and affordable home that they're in, they're not on the streets, crime decreases. Um, fires contained to the room of origin. Um, CPS reports, uh, a safe community, mental health crisis. Um, so sexual violence, domestic violence, it hits and moves the needle on all of these. Okay, so to go back to the questions, so when we talk about affordable housing, sometimes we'll talk about big A affordable and little a affordable. Big A affordable housing, what we mean, and and that's what the city of Lawrence supports through the affordable housing trust fund and that's what the affordable housing advisory board is focused on. We're focused on big A affordable housing and that's subsidized housing that is affordable for those at or below 80% AMI. It's subsidized for both the developer and it's subsidized for the residents that live a- there AMI. area median income
3: okay and what is that for here
6: um it depends on the household size um so i can bring up a chart
1: It'll, it it varies from year to year depending upon how HUD defines it. Depends just, on your just, household just size. order
3: magnitude, just ballpark. Oh.
6: If $10 $10, you're, it's like $90,000. $90, mm-hmm. $90,000? a family of. That's, $10. I believe so, yeah. All right, thank you. Yeah. Um, and. If we have time, I can pull up the chart. So the Lawrence Douglas Housing, housing Lawrence Douglas County Housing Authority annually um, publishes a table, and so you can see on that table it shows what 30%, 50, and 80% of AMI is for different household gotcha. sizes. Gotcha. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so the. Developers um, need subsidy in order to make the development pencil out, and the residents also need subsidy in the form of housing vouchers in order to afford to live there. All residents must be income verified, and as it says, the rent or mortgage is determined based on the resident's income so that they're not going over 30% of um, their household income for housing expenses. And then small A affordable housing is market rate housing that is attainable and affordable for residents without exceeding 30% of household income. That's what we might have considered like starter homes or older housing stock that is just um, naturally occurring house- affordable housing stock. Um, and. That might be folks at uh, 80% AMI living living in those units because we know that folk not all people who qualify for housing assistance are getting it. Um, but it could it, it could be any number of residents. Any other questions about how housing affordability is defined?
1: Like I said, that also matches with the definition in Plan 2040 of what does affordable housing is. So it's in one of the definitional sidebars, and I think it's in Chapter Four of the document.
5: And again, what did you say was that ballpark for AMI? Well, it depends
6: on the household income. So let me see if I can. I, I just thought there was a number. Ninety thousand. Ninety thousand.
1: Okay. 90, okay. Four for Thank you. Four. Yeah, and again, that'll that'll reset every year as HUD revises the numbers and things occur. So it, it's every 12 months we relearn the numbers, and it, it then it also just depends on your household size of what that number would be. Okay, so a family of two is different than a family of four, which will be different from family of six.
6: So here is like for two people, 30% of AMI is um, about 22,000. 80% is about 60. For four people, 80% of um, AMI is 75. So yeah, 100%, I'm assuming, for a family of four is 94. Um, Some additional terminology that we use is housing stress slash housing insecurity, and that's when, as I said earlier, a household spends more than 30% of their income on housing costs, um, including utilities and insurance taxes, et cetera, and this puts a household at rent uh, for homelessness. Um, This is... um, what we talk about you know like one emergency away from homelessness one big medical bill a job loss any number of those sort of big financial emergencies can tip that household into homelessness because they are already really spending more than they can afford on on housing Um, Housing instability encompasses a number of challenges, having trouble paying rent, overcrowding uh, um, is a part of housing instability, moving frequently, or again, spending the bulk of your income on housing. And then AMI, we discussed what that means, the midpoint of area um, income distribution. And then, some additional terms that you 'll use, and I know we saw an application recently that talked about workforce housing that doesn 't have a specific definition as like defined by hud you 'll also hear it defined as middle housing um, typically it 's housing that 's affordable. Um, For those at 80 to 100% AMI, theoretically, it's housing that's affordable to the local workforce. Now, Lawrence has a high number of um, jobs in the service industry. And so a lot of our local workforce is not at 80% AMI. So what would be considered workforce housing (coughs) is actually too expensive for Many in our local workforce and service jobs and in care-oriented jobs like social workers, um, you know, folks um, assisting people with disabilities, um, seniors, etc. All those jobs typically um, those are those are jobs that require subsidized affordable housing. Um, LITEC is the low income housing tax credit. That's the main subsidy that's used for affordable housing development. Um, that is allocated um, federally, and, and the state has a LITEC program. The community land trust is a mechanism for maintaining affordability and perpetuity. So for LIHTC um, projects, generally, those units are affordable for 15 to 30 years, and then they come out of a pe- that period of affordability, which means that they the, those owners can then open up the rent to, mar- it becomes market rate housing. And unless we are able to repurchase or to purchase those units, then they fall out of affordability the community land trust is a mechanism for keeping those affordable units that the community has subsidized in affordability for perpetuity by putting the land in trust.
3: What's the source of funding for the subsidy?
6: For the?
3: For any of these subsidies where we we, we hold something, we buy something, we keep it in perpetuity. What, what funds that?
6: Um, so it could be LITEC. It's, it's generally a combination of the LITEC funds, local affordable housing trust funds.
3: Where, where does litec come from? Is that is that local or federal?
6: It's federal, federal. and state. Yeah, it's allocated through the state. But you
3: got your thinking. And
1: the mm-hmm. tax credits don't they're not in perpetuity so tax credits <laughs> will have right. a, an ex- expiration life of you know 15 to 30 years depending upon what they are and then they're only a credit of either 4 or 9 percent depending upon what they right. get capacity That's the concern so when they drop out of that they,
2: they, they lose them out of
3: inventory. Right, inventory.
6: right, yeah. And they For
3: rental sure. or ownership?
6: They could be both, yeah. but generally the rental units. And generally the Litech projects require a larger number of units. Um, that's where you'll see the <laughs> multifamily developments.
1: And most of that process is governed by the state's Kansas Housing Authority or Housing Corporation, excuse me, or by the the issuing agency for the credit. So it's not something that the city necessarily has a role in. It's just someone's going to develop based on response of what the credit is asking to do. And so you hear people talk about it's got to pencil out because otherwise you can't qualify for the credit if the finances doesn't quite work out. So Ahab spends a lot of time looking through pro forma and an understanding is is if it has to be this credit at this rate then something has to occur to get to that point so they spend a lot of time looking at what does that dynamic of how many units to achieve the credit and that's a fair say to say it's probably a big conversation point they have quite a bit throughout the year and yeah something that comes up in our meetings is um
0: we'll get an application and it'll be for rental units and um i just want to from from our talk today it sounds like Rental units are considered affordable housing like like we, we just affordable housing doesn't mean a house. It could mean a rental
6: Absolutely, unit.
0: and I think there's a misconception that you know rental unit is not affordable and it is I mean in fact a majority of the affordable housing in our community is rental units from what you're saying.
6: It, yeah, it, absolutely, and that and, and the multifamily, the duplexes, triplexes, um, apartments, those are great fits for a lot of people in our community. Yeah. Um, and, it, and absolutely are vital needed affordable housing stock. Thank you. We cannot solve our housing affordability challenges in single-family units. We just cannot. <laughs> the need oh, it's is also t-
0: expensive right like to to get a mortgage and
6: absolutely it's ex- it's um, more costly um, for the family for the developer, not all families it can afford that and they still deserve housing right and it's more expensive in terms of environmental impact for our community um, if if we are prioritizing and have a value for infill um, <laughs> it, it, it I mean, if we want infill, then we have to consider multifamily. Um,
1: And to go back to the kind of conversation we were kind of touching on a little bit earlier, one of the strong welcoming neighborhood indicators that Leah, it doesn't touch on here, but I will, is we've asked MSO to go through and look at the cost of infrastructure per new residential unit. For a multifamily unit, it's about $11,000. For a single family unit, it's about $23,000 ish dollars. So I mean there's a differential when you start having that conversation about the cost of those things because it the essence of it is is someone's got to pay for that development cost and it's going to typically get burdened down to whoever's paying the rent or paying the mortgage of that and so there is that effect of you know 11,000 versus 23,000 and something in that costing so and, and Leah's is right it's it's a question of is what does that family need at that point in time do they need a house do they need an apartment do they need a uh, number of unit, bed, bath kind of combination, it's, there isn't a, a solve all where you just do one thing and it'll make everybody go. It just can't work that way. It's like a natural housing market. You're going to have people that are going to be looking for location, for type, for amenity. It's, it's not any different than what you do when you buy houses and properties. So multifamily
3: and particularly multifamily designed as rental is considered almost by default as um, Big A, affordable. But that would only be if and when that particular development was um, um, hooked up to, enabled by um, LIHTAC or some other subsidy program. Right, yeah. Um, and it doesn't really matter whether it's a new development or an existing development, that can happen at any time. Is that right or no?
6: Um, generally, it's new development. Yeah, that is. Is there any restriction
3: to something that's been built being brought into that program?
6: No, um, there are options for like rehabbing older units. Um, uh, developers can get tax credits for rehabs and then make them big A affordable.
3: So, what's what's the what is the rehab requirement? Is, so, there has to meet some certain physical standards. Is that it? Yeah. An existing inventory stock may not have been built to that standard. Right. Is that a higher cost to build to meet that standard?
6: No, I don't. Uh, um, in terms of what this, mm-hmm. the state standards for building?
3: Right. If, if, it, if, it must, if, if you can't take an existing um, mm. family structure and just, uh, just go after the subsidy, it suggests you have to remodel it have to bring it up to a standard, which implies cost. So I'm just wondering, the baseline, if if you're going to build Big A affordable, is it more expensive? Because you have to meet a, a, a state or federal standard versus
6: the this building standards are the same whether it's subsidized big a affordable housing or market rate housing um, I would say to bring units to rehab units so that they um, so that they are housing people with dignity that is going to have some cost on the owner um, they're, they're <laughs> but I but it. it um, but that is part of the value of that we don't want affordable housing to be, I'm just going to like, to be crappy housing, <laughs> right? <Correct. laughs> to be dilapidated housing. I'm, I'm,
3: yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. I mean, if, I, if I take this, it's a great place. It meets city code. Right. right. It's, not, it's not deficient in any way. Could that become um, uh, a big A affordable It could be. Where where I'm going with why I'm asking all these questions is we think about applications that come through if someone wants to build this and it may not be aligned with the project today, but it could be, once it's built, it could be five years from now. Right. I'm trying to think about what lens should we be looking at this through and and whether or not just the fact that we're building rental stock is a net positive.
6: Oh, absolutely.
3: Immediately qualifies for or designated as. Again.
6: absolutely really like right because we it, we need more housing stock yeah. period we have not been building the number of units needed to meet the demand so it really is a supply and demand <laughs> equation to go
3: down that trellis- <laughs> <laughs> I that yeah,
6: yeah. Right. absolutely okay. we'll,
3: we'll have these conversations well how many affordable housing units do you have as a part of this and if there's if there's not anything specifically designated even though it's against state statute we might want to ask them for something right but the right. reality is that stock is important
6: absolutely a- okay. all right absolutely because it's serving it it's serving a market as well and because we don't have adequate housing stock that is driving up the cost of housing for everybody um, yeah, <laughs> thank you, thank absolutely you.
1: So give a, Another. to give a ballpark to your number there. And I, I have not done this number in a long time. So this is a dated number there. But typically the city would issue somewhere between 125, 135 building permits per year. If you were going to match that to be one to one for population growth, we'd have to be issuing close to 400 building permits per year. So, and that's been a, a steady trend for over 12, 14 years now of 100 permits versus the 400 to, to match equal one to one. Either an one. increase
3: in the number of building permits or a change in the mix of what those building permits were designed to deliver.
1: Either one or the other on that one. Okay, all right.
5: So, I have a question about these multi. We generally think of multifamily as these rental units, but how, what kind of stock do we have here where um, apartment buildings are owned? So, the apartments are purchased. So, you're you're essentially home ownership, but multifamily. Like condo. Condos or, not, or just yeah. apartment buildings, yeah. even apartments. I mean, our bigger cities. Most people own apartments. Yeah. Okay. Mm, um, that happens, you know, all over Europe. They own apartments.
1: One of the things we've always kind of recognized is you don't have an apartment ownership market like you would tend to see in a big city here, like you would in other places. You tend to see maybe condominiums or or some of that, some of that kind of formatting and design. That was something that kind of got called in the BBC report back in 18. Was that you know there is a bit of differential in what people are seeking and what is the market is providing. And that was one of those that was highlighted was, um, the, the one that comes to mind is, is a small scale ownership opportunity, but that's not, well, I don't think it was called in the report, but it's, you know, Leah alluded to a starter home and those are kind of few and far between in, in the world. So an apartment, maybe that's someone's, right. that's yeah.
5: great affordable unit to own Mm -hmm.
1: and that could be someone's entry into the market and so that's something that I think you're seeing the development co steering committee and and we're looking at as a planning and development services staff is is what does that how does that look like nowadays because what what did go doesn't go anymore
6: and I will say home ownership is not the right option for everybody I think there's a value that we have associated with home ownership that has, it it can be important for wealth building, but that family has to have adequate income in order to do the maintenance of, of, whether it's an apartment, condo, duplex, or single family unit, um, and the time to do the maintenance and the know-how. I mean, there are a lot of individuals in our community who would thrive in rentals, and I think the importance is that we are having adequate housing stock to meet different individual community needs rather than have this context that the ideal is that everybody ends up in a single family ownership unit. That's just not going to
5: work oh, for yeah. everybody. No, I get it. I just, yeah. When I think of when people talk about, and what we see when they talk about work, like for workforce housing, mm-hmm. where you have people that can barely afford a house. I mean, an right. owner, but want to own and start building that wealth. You know, we always think of single-family homes. Right. Whereas it doesn't have to be. It doesn't. No. Yeah. Duplexes, triplexes. Yeah. Make that that jump into ownership. Right. That an apartment that was owned is a way to that, and I just don't see that around town. Yeah. Yeah. Or we don't hear about it. Right. So.
6: Yeah. Um want to skip to, okay, um, so this just shows, I mentioned this early, that earlier, the disproportionate housing needs based on race and ethnicity. So this is just overall based on that 2018 um, housing study, uh, what the housing needs are in Lawrence.
0: I'm assuming it's worse now?
6: Much worse. <laughs> <laughs> Much worse, yeah. Yeah, rents and mortgages, as we know, the cost of housing has skyrocketed yep. since. I
1: mean, really, the bellwether is that is going to be your Federal Reserve interest rate. That's going to yeah. tell you all you need to know on, yeah. on that stressing. Yeah, sure.
6: Um, and then certain members of our community um, face disproportionate housing needs. You can see the difference based on race and ethnicity. Um, this was um, what I wanted to bring up because we were sort of moving in that direction discussing the different kinds of housing stock that are needed to meet the need for different individuals in our community so healthy housing stock would be a mix of having transitional housing which is as it sounds a transition from houselessness into permanent affordable housing, Um, permanent supportive housing, so housing that comes with case management and uh, medical case management, other kinds of social service supports for people with severe or persistent mental illness or for seniors, uh, people with disabilities, (coughs) people that really do need supports in order to stay to stay housed. We need affordable rentals, big A, big A affordable home ownership, and then we need attainable and affordable market rate housing for folks at all, uh, uh, all um, the range of AMI scales. And as Jeff alluded to earlier, um, the market um, has really been—or I think—I think I heard you say something about this. The market has really been responding to um, building not those starter units that <laughs> that so many of us need, but um, the bigger, more expensive houses because that's how developers are making money. It's. They have, they have to make their living, right? And so that's how they're able to do it. I've often
3: said, I wonder if I'm right, that you can't build an affordable house.
6: It's very difficult without subsidy. Yeah. Absolutely. There's an Ahab member, actually, that is trying to do that. He said he's doing an experiment, and he's seeing if he can build an affordable house without any subsidy. He's like, I don't think I can make it pencil out.
3: I wonder if it's, I wonder how much of it's code. <laughs> and how much this land, the, just the high cost of land in Douglas County.
6: It's both, mm-hmm. yeah.
3: People want to be here, and they keep bringing their money. In. Right,
1: <laughs> right. The, yes. the old rule of thumb with financing was 20% of a house will be spent in land cost. And I think that that rule really still holds pretty true. So whatever you pay for the land is going to dictate the rest of the cost of the house coming out of it, because the way that the the banks and the the performance will pencil out whatever that entry is on land will really set your bar for the cost of the house
3: going forward. It's so interesting that one of the things that we, the lenses we look through when we're making decisions is the impact on property values and we don't want to do anything that makes property values go down. But that is really one of the things that needs to happen if we want to get at lower cost housing. Mm, interesting.
5: And Did, oh, 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 I, no, please. I was going to say
4: to tag on what Gary said, so land cost, and then he said code, Mm -hmm. and you shook your head somewhat vigorously. (laughs) So would you elaborate on that, the part that code plays in this?
6: Yeah, well, things like um, parking requirements can really add up, particularly if you're looking at those larger multifamily um, developments. Um, I, I don't know what our parking requirements are, if it's two spots per one, two, for two bedrooms, or?
1: Oh, it just depends on what it is on those things. But, if it, you know, parking, I think, is a big one that you do. Um, you do end up getting into it. I'm probably stealing Leah's under here, so she'll have to you know, hide my desk chair to pay me back for this. But if you get into very restrictive zoning, you know, like you can't do certain things in RS7, but you can in five that drives the cost of land up because now you've set the floor for the minimum of square footage, which sets the price of the house because 20% of it, your land is 20% of your house. so that's going to drive your costing up on that one. Um, You know, there are other things that everybody has to pay in those things there. Everybody's going to want sidewalks and street lights and fire hydrants and, you know, minimum building safety and life codes and those things, you know, those have costs associated with them. You know, you do have to have certain plumbing requirements. So it's really when you get down to it, it's really those kind of those things that we talk about is minimum parking standards and minimum, you know, setback standards. Those dimensional and density standards really start to do that effect on Number what that of units is. It's on a particular piece of ground. Exactly.
3: Oh All goodness. of those things conspire to drive the cost of an individual. Place, huh?
1: And there's certain codes you don't want to vary. I mean, you don't want to change the fire code. If fire code should just be uniform. The building code should be uniform throughout. I think we can, you know, there, they have good community merit on those things there. But the conversation we've had the Land Development Code Steering Committee is... is- do, are you asking for the right setbacks? Are you asking for the right parking? Are you we do? Are, how are we dialing that in and then you know one of the things that you always want to do is with affordable housing is you always strive for it to be interspersed and indistinguishable you don't want it to be someone can look at it and go well that's that's an affordable house that's a stigma you don't want to put someone through and so you know you don't want to change codes to give that impression that it's not indistinguishable because that has effects on all those many factors that Leah pulled up there. So it's it is a very interesting balancing act about, you know, diagnosing what that code parameter needs to be. And it can manifest in any number of ways depending on each project.
3: One of the things you'll you'll see in the land development code update is it's been informed by this discussion. So some of these things you'll find changed.
4: I know we talked about parking yeah. spaces where you, and you may not be able to say, but were you the queen of the world, are there specific things that you think could be changed that would still meet what Jeff says? I don't want it to be indistinguishable from, but would lower the price. Are there things that you can
6: identify for us? Well, um, or is this stream?
4: Just, oh, well, this is just the way it is.
6: No, there are really specific things that could make an impact on housing affordability for everyone. Streamline permitting and processing <laughs> would be helpful, and that looking at um, looking at costs associated with that, but also exclusionary zoning has has really increased the cost of housing Uh, exclusionary
5: um
6: so um primarily or exclusively allowing single family units. If you look at the most expensive housing markets in the United States, they are um, predominantly single family zoning exclusively. So San Francisco, I think it's like 85% um, of their zoning is all single family. If you, Again, looking at the most expensive markets, because the land costs are the same, right? The infrastructure costs are relatively the same, whether you're Putting one unit or four units. Um, you can also look at minimum lot size, making a huge impact on housing affordability. So I would, um, <laughs> I would make minimum lot size much much smaller. Um, look at frontage, because D- all of this again is a value and an ex- an aesthetic that has been set based on certain. Um, really blatantly white middle class values that are not reflective of our whole community and yet they're driving up the cost of housing and the people most disproportionately impacted or we saw are the people with the least privilege.
4: So I take it you are not able to make that happen. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you see? Do you see, now Gary's talking about the land use that is changing, do you see I presume you've been involved in that. Do you see changes in that that you think will help?
6: I think this? so. Yeah, I it as Gary said, it's been a focal point of the conversation in the land development code update. So, I am very hopeful. <laughs> Looking at Becky, we haven't seen module 3 or or the final drafts, but it has been a central point of the conversation.
4: Are there and this may be too much in the weeds, are there other uh, towns, cities like Lawrence that have changed their land use policies, codes, that you could point to that have really driven the price down?
6: Oh, um, yes, although, I think a lot of those changes have just happened like in the last five years because the housing crisis <laughs> has gotten so severe that it has forced communities to look at their at their codes.
3: It's a big city but you can look at Houston for some examples of some pretty remarkable things they've done to change to make Or neighborhoods yeah just, okay. yeah they've done some remarkable things across the board there.
5: Where Gary i didn't Houston know. Houston.
3: Houston, Texas, both with uh, homelessness and housing affordability, and the way they've the way they've organized their government to work with um, private uh, uh, NGOs made a remarkable difference.
5: Thinking about things in the code, I, I a sort of technical question: Is there something in the code? So one of the ways to reduce the cost of building a house is to make it smaller, and that's also a sustainability issue. Yeah. Um, in terms of having smaller houses, is there something in the code that blocks that has a minimum square footage for housing. I've heard also that it involves banking, whereas banks sometimes won't give loans for certain
6: mm-hmm. square footage
5: of housing. So that's a whole nother complex thing. Mm-hmm. But is there something in the code that- We be have Becky question. <laughs> <Or> covenants <laughs> too. That's true.
2: The what covenants. was the evidence? The
5: confidence.
3: Neighborhood covenants. Neighborhood oh. covenants.
2: Sorry, restate
5: your question. It, is there anything in the code that determines the minimum square footage of, of housing? Of, of of the house
2: uh, of the lot or the house, no, the house. N- no okay yeah what it would be determined mm-hmm. under our current code it would be determined really on your setbacks um, amount of pervious surface there's some um mm-hmm. you know you couldn't have 100 um, percent impervious mm-hmm. curve so you you know you're mm-hmm. there's kind of setup where you'd have a yard a side yard and those kind mm-hmm. of okay. things but um it's really kind of Dictated on those parameters those density and dimensional standards and parking often can be a determining factor as well, okay,
4: I Think and I you would certainly know or somebody would certainly know From 50 years ago the size of houses the square footage has grown Mm. But am I not correct in thinking that that is starting to contract a little bit now on? the square footage of houses that are being built. Am I wrong on that?
6: I am. I am not sure. Okay.
4: Well, then I'm probably wrong. <laughs> I
0: don't. Haley, are you have like five minutes? So, if there's something you really want to hit, you yeah. get. You have five minutes.
6: Um, well, it, it, is there anything else that you all are particularly interested in? So, the additional information that I had was going over our community plan, a place for everyone, which is our community plan to end chronic homelessness and just go over the goals and strategies of, related to affordable housing, and then um, some barriers. Um, and and meeting our goals, perhaps I will um, just go over some uh, some of those really briefly. So some of the barriers in meeting our affordable housing goals. I think this is important for you all to think about. So funding restrictions and code we discussed. Oh, sorry. Let me. Um, ah, I was trying to get through it quickly. Um, an equitable public participation process, info lot scarcity, and local developer capacity. Those are all current barriers. Um, I was gonna show a video, but, and then you will hear common neighborhood concerns about any new affordable housing development—it doesn't matter if it's a single-family small infill, <laughs> um, like in my neighborhood, there've been um, the neighbors have been unsupportive, evil, even for one single-family home, home ownership unit, or if it's for a big multi-family development. A lot of the concerns that you will hear neighbors say are are pretty consistent. There are concerns about parking and traffic, before even those studies have been done. Um, concerns about property value decreasing, which all research has shown that there is no negative impact on property value from putting in affordable housing affordability, either stays the same or in some instances actually increases um, because you are rehabbing those dilapidated houses. Um, there's concerns about crime. And again, this feeds into stereotypes about who lives in a affordable housing, which, as I mentioned earlier, it's teachers, social workers, police officers, all these people that are the lifeblood of our community, Uh, They're not going to bring in crime. They actually make safer neighborhoods. Um, Increased density. People don't want their neighborhood to change. There's an expectation that I bought this house or I've lived here for 20 years, and it's always going to be like that. I'm always going to have my park next door or my green space, even if it isn't an official park. I take my dog out there. And there's just resistance to change. People don't want changing neighborhood character. Again, there's an expectation the neighborhood's always going to stay the same, but that's just not realistic. Um, and so, really weighing like you know the values or dislike of neighborhoods changing versus the needs of people to be housed. Um, and then there's this argument that multi-family units are unnecessary, and that instead we should be building single-family home ownership units. Well, I hope that we've talked and. At least started the conversation about how that is not going to meet the need. That is n- that is unrealistic that we are going to build the number of houses needed um, in single-family homeownership units. We need multifamily <laughs> units um, in our community. So, Will you send the deck out? I would love to. Yeah, and are there? I know we're at a time boundary, but is there anything else before we break? I'm sorry I couldn't get here earlier. That's a,
3: I've got a couple of rentals and the, the single largest expense that we have is property taxes. Oh, God. Right, so we talk about property values being foundational to the cost of rentals. It's not just acquisition of the property, but it's the ongoing every year um, property taxes that you pay. And you, had a, you showed a slide about all the things that, that are tangential to housing affordability and affordable housing. I would argue that commercial tax base is one of those we have got to grow commercial tax base in this town to help at least control the cost of property taxes man that just it just kills you and as a landlord, i mean you you you, just, you have to pass it on mm-hmm. it's just a cost
5: right right all right so as i understand though it, it, what brings in the most taxes is industrial base right Does i should su- bring when in the i most- when i say commercial i'm talking about anything not residential Oh, okay, because yeah, so, so, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm thinking of residential versus, like, retail, commercial, and then industrial.
3: And, but retail, commercial is, is, is multiples of what residential is. And industrial, I'm honestly not, not sure what the delta is between that and, and, and retail commercial. We have a small little commercial building mm-hmm. um, over on uh, Pennsylvania Street, and our taxes there are eight times mm-hmm. per square foot what a uh, house is.
6: And it's this chicken and egg thing because companies are looking at if employees can afford to live in the community before they bring industry. Right, right. (laughs) Yeah, Hallmark, when we met with them, said that their main concerns for employees are affordable housing, child care, and transportation. That's what employers and industry is looking at when they move into a community. Can it support
0: that?
5: Well, of course, the wages that they pay are a big part of that, you know, in terms of why, whether they can afford something or not. I don't want to stop it. I apologize.
0: I have to. No, no. I understood, Gary. Thank
5: you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Are the students in our community affecting the housing goals in a way that would be different for a non-college community?
6: They are impacting our housing market, absolutely. Yeah. KU students were not included in that 2018 housing study. So when we look at the needs, um, that is taking student needs out of it. Um, But they are really changing the market because they're taking, (laughs) students are taking what would have been good, little a affordable housing stock for families. If you look at like East Lawrence, for example, how the number of those single family homes that have been, Divided up, or right? KU students can get several roommates and live in those and be able to afford those units. Where a single mom, or even you know, two parents with a couple of kids working as teachers, can't they just don't have the same purchasing power?
0: Thanks, Leah. And you know, something that, um, as a planning commission, oftentimes we'll get an applicant present a project and it's not perfect, but I think. From listening to you today, I think sometimes even if it's not perfect, maybe it's gonna move the ball a little bit. So as a planning commission, I think we should take that into account that you know this is a need and yes, there are a lot of concerns and the neighbors don't want it, but let's think about the other side of the, you know? Right. So thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely, thank yeah. you. Thank you.
6: Can you make your slides available to us? Absolutely. I'll send them to Becky. Great.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Thank
0: you. Thank you. So end it? Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. Thanks, Drew. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank, you. You. thank
2: you. See y'all soon. And thank you for the paper. Thank you, Leah. You're welcome. Yeah,